Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb And welcome to Groundhog Minute, the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day, one repetitive minute at a time. I'm your host, Dave. And I'm your other host, Sean. And joining us today, we have a special guest from Minute of Darkness and Cosmic Geppetto Podcasts. It's Brad. Welcome. I, thank you so much, guys. <laughs> I am literally thrilled to be here. It's uh, Aside from the fact that I love this movie, these are fantastic minutes you guys uh, shared with me. And uh, I'm just going to come out and say it. Two of my favorite people in the podcasting world I get to share this with. Uh, Sean and Dave, you guys have been uh, wonderful guests on my podcast. It's, it's some of my favorite. And and I, we've reached out to you guys several times because you guys bring the good. So I am a, I am a fan of you guys. I'm a fan of this movie. I, I am a, I am beside myself with excitement. <laughs> wow. Thank you. That is some that is... – that's a lot of high praise. I really, I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much. Yeah, high praise indeed. I know we're. I, I'll, I'll speak for Dave. We're both real big Brad fans. So, uh, I mean, when, when we got together to do this, we knew uh, we got to get Mendenhall on board. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. He, yeah, he put up with me ranting on Last Jedi. So, like, he's a real trooper. <laughs> oh, that was anybody listening. If you have a chance, go back and listen to the episode where we talked about Last Jedi. And it was a great episode. And Dave, and I tell you what, people don't understand. There's a way that you can be passionate and disagree and have opinions and not like something while still being fun and entertaining and respectful. And Dave, you did that dance so <laughs> damn well. It, it, it was quite a it was quite a line to 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 dance on. That I was like, all right, I don't want to offend people. But I was like, I gotta be at least like honest with my like initial emotions, <laughs> and and yeah, tonight's the night. It's on Blu Ray now, so I'm gonna ask if anyone's like, you know, I'm gonna ask around. It's like, oh, look, I'm sure one of you people here bought the Blu Ray. Next time you're watching, just invite me over. I'll give it a second <laughs> shot. I just, I I, I don't want to watch it alone again. I think I I still chalk that up to maybe because I watched it alone and I just was around surrounded by just you know strangers, families, and stuff. And I was just like, I don't get what's going on. Maybe that was it. But I was like, I, w- I do want to give it the second chance. I'm just going to at least say like, all right, let's, 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 let's just, you know, let's see what this is. But yeah. So I just, I just wanted to say that if you could put up with me with, with last Jedi, uh, God bless. Uh, it was so a, I... it, it was a great episode of this show because Cosmic and you know obviously that's not what we're here to talk about but Cosmic Geppetto is an interesting show where it's a, you know friends talking about geeky stuff and it's actually be, been a little bit of a running joke is sometimes it's just a couple of geeks getting along and we we often are a little bit too and we like we like we talk about stuff that we like so it's like a bunch of people getting along praising stuff and then there's Dave is like talking about Laura Dern in the movie is like, do something, lady, do something. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. All right. Well, so awesome. I want to welcome you to the show. Clearly, I want. I'm happy to have you on, and we are excited to, today to talk about minute 36. So, Sean, give me the summary of the minute. All right. Well, you picked a good one. So, minute 36, we see Phil is trying out everything on the menu at the Tip Top Cafe. Rita is uh, not impressed and not interested in Phil's new appetite uh, for life or for uh, for sweet breakfast ba- uh, pastries. Uh, Phil drinks down a boiling hot coffee right out of the carafe and pops a cig in to have a smoke and a pancake. 
and says he doesn't have to worry about anything anymore. He doesn't even have to floss. What a guy. So, so awesome. <laughs> well, and it, it's so great because this is this is gluttonous Bill Murray, and it's a neat section of this movie where Bill Murray, and of course he does because Bill Murray's the smartest guy in the world, figures it out. Mm-hmm. And he figures out how to take advantage of this. He's like, I can... I can eat as much as I want. I can drink as much coffee. I can smoke, and it doesn't matter. And any other, <laughs> if this movie were to start anyone else, if it were to start Dan Aykroyd, or uh, I don't know, or if it was to have a handsome leading man, or Robert Redford, or something, this part of the movie wouldn't even happen. It wouldn't mm-hmm. be the Weasley, what can I get away with thing. And it's so Murray's so perfect for this because because Murray at this point in his career. He, and he was never a handsome leading man. He he was always the funny Joker guy, but he always looked like he was, you know, 20% gone to seed already. So, of course, this is what he would do because he, he's barely holding on at already, like, <laughs> in, in regards to his physique and his appearance. He's like, oh, he would just completely let himself go because it doesn't matter anymore. Right. And if this guy, you know, if it was someone who's starting off in shape, it maybe be harder to buy. Like, okay, you're really just gonna, you're gonna give up so quickly. But yeah, he's he's a little doughy to begin with. He's obviously not someone, or obvious to me, he's not someone who's hitting the gym on any regular basis, let alone multiple times a week. So yeah, so it kind of it works. It makes sense that as soon as you kind of figured out what's going on, throw caution to the wind. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so Brad, I want I want to ask you. When we start this minute off. Clearly, this is somewhere around uh, maybe like seven, eight o'clock. This is, this is after the mm-hmm. Groundhog came out. So I want to know: Do you think on this specific day, if Phil went to record his his talk with the with uh, with Rita and Larry at Gobbler's Knob, because the minute previous yesterday. They have uh, Phil walking down. He punches out Ned. He laughs at the guy stepping in the pothole. And he seems to be pretty happy and upbeat. And he's walking toward Gobbler's Knob. So I assume he's there in a pretty fun mood um, to to talk about the Groundhog. Do you think he went there and did it? Or do you think he just went to read and said, Oh, I'm not doing it. I'll be at the diner. And then just turned around. Like, what do you think? I think he did it. And I, I think he probably did a halfway competent job. Because just the way Rita is, if he hadn't done it, she wouldn't be just sitting there watching him. She would be reaming him out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see what, and I don't think we really got this in the movie. The, when it came to his actual performance as a broadcaster, you had the first day where it was obvious that he wasn't really into it. And then the second time when he's confused and then later you see it again where he gives like the heartfelt rendition. And I bet on the cutting room floor there's probably three or four where, I don't know, doing something offensive like pretending to be Asian or <laughs> or rapping or something like – I bet there's like a montage of crazy versions they did of it, the broadcast. It's actually funny that you, you only see three – three or four mm-hmm. and not and not in this area not in this section of the movie where he's having fun you don't see the fun bill murray broadcasting about the groundhog 
Yeah, that's a good point. And unfortunately, there's there's a half dozen or so deleted scenes on the Blu-ray, but none of them are of that broadcast. You're right. So we get like the first and the second days. Like, yeah, the first day he doesn't want to do it. The second day he's kind of confused. I think later on we see like just before he kidnaps the uh, kidnaps little Phil. And yeah, right before like the depressing cliff. phase. Right before yeah. the depressing yeah. But at this point where he's, you know, this in-between where he's kind of having fun with it, he's, you know, he's not the good Phil yet. He's not turning it around, but he's not completely despondent at the repetition. Uh, yeah, I could see I could see him doing some, you know, maybe Rita doesn't appreciate it, but I think I could think we could, we could have some good takes, some some fun takes on uh, on Groundhog Day from Phil there. But uh, yeah, like you said, we don't get to see it. We can only imagine. <laughs> So, <laughs> so what? When uh, Doris, right? She's the waitress. Yeah, Doris. So when she comes with the coffee, and he's you know keep bringing it, and he just he puts that whole thing down f- right from the carafe into his throat. Like I always flinch on that because I think we've all had diner coffee straight from that pot, and you need if you don't, if you haven't <laughs> if you haven't creamed it up, it's it is probably fresh hot coffee. So I get I'm getting like horrific like second degree coffee burns on my tongue. <laughs> just just and throat and throat. That's like oh. if you just drank hot tea too fast. Like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, it's, it's so hot. It's down my throat. The, <laughs> the only thing worse than diner coffee is like uh, train coffee. For some reason, train coffee is burn everything off of your face hot. <laughs> but diner coffee, yeah, it's it's real hot. It, <laughs> I don't really understand that. And I get it. They're just trying to show gluttonous Murray, but. It doesn't make sense. It's like you would see him doing all the things that he enjoys. It's like, hey, why not have a smoke? Why not shove the food right in your mouth? But it's not like if I didn't have to worry about what to do tomorrow, I would suddenly say, he's like, let's try to scald myself. Right. This, yeah, I could see like he's, you know, when he pours, like pouring some, some coffee into his cup and maybe he doesn't care if he spills a little. Maybe he's not going to be careful. But like, yeah, going all the way to... uh to just glugging it straight from the pot. Although we see the the way he eats cake is, is similar. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is Phil letting loose. This is what ha- you know. This is Phil on vacation when <laughs> when he really doesn't care anymore. You know. Yeah, you're right. He hasn't actually shown if he cares if he gets any like sausage grease or pancake syrup stains on his shirt during his glut- gluttony. Well, yeah. Um, and I, I also have to I have to be amazed. Just watch those three seconds from. Second twenty-seven through thirty-one. How seamless his coffee to smoke is. Yeah, coffee to just <laughs> pulling out that cigarette. How so prepared it is. How damn weird does this look to you guys when you see this scene and he's smoking in the diner? Oh, I was like, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> First off, you don't see smoking in movies very much anymore, mm-hmm. and then you sure as hell don't see it in a diner. I, I can't remember the last time I saw someone smoking indoors. It, it, it just looks so weird. And just the idea of, like, there's a smoke. It, it's like, hey, kids, if you're watching this, once upon a time, you could smoke anywhere. Yeah. This, this, is, this is the way, like, this, it's, this is the way it ought to be. Coffee and cigarettes in a diner. Like this is this is the way I grew up. This is my land. You know, these are my people here. But yeah, it's it's something that, you know, never again. It's it's an age gone by. I'm a dinosaur. There you go. That is well that's what Dunkin' Donuts was. Dunkin' mm-hmm. Donuts was you sat down, usually there was the counter, they would have the often they would have like the tinfoil ashtrays. 
Mm-hmm. And you would just have the ashtray, have the coffee, you would eat the donut first, and then you would just light up. <laughs> and and uh, God, a lifetime ago, I was a smoker, and it was like, and that yeah. it, it was satisfying because I, I don't know what the combination was, but having a cigarette with a coffee after the donut, it was like, oh, that's just, this is as good as it gets. And it's like, and hey, I'm, and I'm also, by the way, cutting a few years off the end of my life. But <laughs> I'm yeah, but I wasn't going to do. Forever. I wasn't doing anything with those years anyway. <laughs> Just the caffeine, the sugar, the nicotine. McDonald's used to have ashtrays. Right, right, right. It was. <laughs> I, mean, I can hear the heads exploding in the audience. Yes, kids. Fast food restaurants would have ashtrays on the table at one time. So that's. The good point you bring about the, the cigarette in, in, in this movie is most of the time cigarettes are used for somebody who's, you know, either he's, oh, he's a cool guy and he's contemplating or he's saying something cool. But it's kind of both. It's like, man, Bill Murray does look really cool when he lights up. Same thing when he in Ghostbusters. Like, anytime any of the main characters are, like, talking mm-hmm. about ghosts and science while smoking, it looks so cool. You know, like Ray working on the, the Ecto-1 <laughs> with the cigarette hanging out of his mouth. So cool. But... Here, it's, like, also to show is, like, oh, yeah, by the way, they're unhealthy. And it is funny. No one else in the diner is smoking. And the only thing I think of is maybe from the over... They don't want to buy, like, a hundred prop cigarettes for these mm-hmm. scenes for the same person mm-hmm. to be smoking. It's easy to give somebody an empty cup and say, pretend to drink this. But it's another thing to be, like, light up the cigarette. Make sure you know when you're going to light it and how you're going to blow your cigarette smoke out. And also, that's going to affect the camera because we'll be going around the diner. As right. we film this, so it's because I think uh, I think Gus uh, right behind Rita, Gus and Ralph they would be smoking because they would be smoking later probably at the uh, the bowling alley, and you know these guys would be smoking right now. They'd be finishing their breakfast and then would yeah. light one up as they talk about what they're going to do today and what they're going to drink. Yeah, I those think, guys smoke. It just must have been a thing where, and, and it actually makes the scene work where he's the only guy smoking. He's the only guy enjoying life. So. If it, you had it like a and, – and also probably you're right. You, you don't want to have like a smoke-filled area. But yeah, they, they wanted him to – it makes him stick out all the more where everyone else is just sort of going about their business, having conversations and just eating and being dronish. And there's Bill Murray like lit up and you know also eating and chugging the coffee. It's like trying to make him stick out all the more. It's like <laughs> as if he needs to stick out more. He's Bill frickin' Murray. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. So I, I got to ask you guys. I'm, I'm sure there's been plenty of conversation about Andy McDowell, and this was such a weird time for Andy McDowell. This wasn't too long after she sort of broke through, mm-hmm. and it's amazing to me. Andy McDowell had a run where they were trying to make her into a leading actress, and this is about the most I ever liked her in a movie because sometimes she is terrible and i thought she was okay in this movie she, she's been the worst part of some good movies in the past uh, she was in four weddings and a funeral which is a movie i really liked and she was terrible in it mm-hmm. uh, what what are what are have been the thoughts on uh ms mcdowell uh, so far in this film I mean, I've enjoyed Rita, and I guess I, I have to thank Andy McDowell for that, but I, I I guess maybe because this is the early 90s and I'm a child when this, these movies are out, that I probably didn't see a lot of her films. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of them are, I'm guessing they're rom- a lot of them are romantic movies? 
Yeah, she did yeah. the romantic comedy thing. You know, Four Weddings and a Funeral with uh, Hugh Grant. That was a movie that the reason we know who Hugh Grant is is because of that film. Oh man. Yeah. 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 They have a lot to answer for. And then uh, she also did a movie called Green Card, where at some point somebody thought it was a good idea for Gerard Depardieu to be an American <laughs> uh, heartthrob. Yeah. Uh, but they were wrong. And oh, Hudson Hawk. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Sex Lies and Videotape, which I guess was was her real breakthrough. And also she mm-hmm. played Jane in Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan. Yeah, that was her first movie was, was Greystoke. And I'm I'm a little surprised. I'm, I like her. I like her in this film. I think I, I've liked her in most of the things I've seen her in. And I was surprised in, in researching the, the movie for the podcast in, in finding out there's Andy McDowell hate. That's not something I would have imagined before. There are actually people out there who don't like Annie McDowell. And I can't, I think she's just cute as a bug. She's a great Rita. Um, I think it probably helps that usually most of the other things that I've seen her in, there's been worse things about the movie, like Hudson Hawk. I just can't stand. I think, I know, I know it has its fans. There's a a community out there that likes that movie. I couldn't stand it. I, I think Annie McDowell is the only thing. That that the only reason I didn't walk out, the only thing that right. the only reason I could stand to watch that movie. Yeah. I like Bruce Willis movies, but I don't like what Bruce Willis's wet dream fantasies are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What if I'm well, a singing uh, guy and I because I like cappuccinos and singing <laughs> while I do thieving? I don't get it, Bruce. I'm not getting this. Yeah, well, I mean, it, well, also I think with Annie McDowell, I think you got to cast her just right, and she was cast perfect in this because she. She's cute. You're right. She's cute as a button. She's not so stunningly gorgeous that you don't buy her and Bill Murray. Right. But she's yeah. still cute. So it, 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 it works just right. You can – because, you know, if they – I don't know, someone was, real hot in 93. If it was Kim Basinger, that wouldn't work because it's like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, she ain't giving Bill Murray a second look. <laughs> and it would be ridiculous. But Annie McDowell, especially the, – the, and she's cute, but they frump her up. So it works well. So she's not glamorous as opposed to sitting next to Barrymore. Thank God they're not putting her in sequin <laughs> gowns. Yeah, she's got it. You know, she's got kind of the girl next door kind of feel to her. You could see this is someone that someone like Phil Connor might fall for, and that someone like Phil Connor might have a might actually have a shot at if he you know if he can turn it around and not be such a jerk all the time. I have a theory. Okay, I have a theory. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. You've uh, seen way more Annie McDowell films than I have, so I'm going to ask this question for both of you. Okay, in the other movies, and the ones that you say that don't really work well with Annie McDowell or by themselves anyways are bad movies, did all the characters know who she was, like her character, at the beginning of the movie? Like, was she married to somebody? Was it assumed that she's somebody's girlfriend? Well, let me see. In Four Weddings and Funeral, she was just the mysterious American girl. Okay. And the whole thing is them trying to uh, Hugh Grant trying to figure her out who she is, and mm. she was. It was just a poorly written character. It was basically the person who showed up every ten minutes to screw up Hugh Grant's life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in Hudson Hawk, she was the girl that. Um, uh, Bruce Willis fell in love with, and it turns out she was a nun. So it's all like, oh, she's actually a nun, which is a terrible 
reveal. <laughs> if you see a comedy where it turns out she's a nun, you're either watching a Bruce Willis movie or Bronson Pinchot movie, and don't. <laughs> Especially this. I, hey, I love Bruce Willis, but not 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 this one. Yeah. Well, no, my my theory, which I don't know, maybe doesn't have much ground, is maybe it works well because the characters are meeting her at the same time the audience is. Mm-hmm. Like, she's introduced as the new producer. So us as the audience and the main characters are all on even ground. We don't really know what Rita's deal is. And when she... You know, and, and you know when she's going to. We're gonna, we're gonna, we'll get to this tomorrow. When she kind of reveals a new thing about her, it is kind of interesting to both Phil and to us, the audience. It's something that we've repeated this day multiple times uh, with Phil, and it's so. Oh, oh, yeah, we learned something new about somebody. So maybe that's one of the one of the uh, good things about uh, how Annie McDowell's acting is that she we're learning more about her as the movie goes on it's not like she's already married to somebody and scenes are just progressing and oh she's the wife of xyz or something mm-hmm. I said, that's just the, i was like, that was my theory of was wasn't she in a movie with keaton oh uh multiplicity, multiplicity. okay Wait, oh, yeah i kept i kept reminding myself like oh she was married to michael keaton in a movie and that's what it was okay that's what that is like i said like i don't remember too much about her because the whole joke was Hey, how many more Michael Keaton's can we get in this movie? <laughs> can we get more? Can we get more? Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, so we have her just uh, amazed by by his uh, his lack of anything. I mean, that's kind of cool. Because in a way, we we we've kind of not say we broke Rita, but like we got like we can't get, like Rita's like I you don't make sense. Like you don't worry about anything. Like you don't care about anything. Like she's like. It's like it's like a true nihilism that she can't like wrap her mind around right now, because hey, everyone would have some kind of fear or anxiety about smoking, drinking, eating, uh, spending probably like ninety dollars worth of breakfast right now. Yeah, when you see someone going over the top like that, especially if they're in a manic phase, that's that's just, that's act one of a story that doesn't end well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That that's the guy in college who, and I remember that guy in college who all of a sudden he was drinking twice as heavy as he used to. Uh, he was know, embarking on certain activities that weren't smart, and it was like, well, let's keep an eye on John because, uh, and maybe take away his shoelaces and any sharp objects <laughs> in his room because this is going to turn in a bad direction. So she's sort of seeing that and. I don't know. There's mostly disgust, but perhaps there's a little concern. It's like, you know, how, how can you live that way? Cause, and also, it must be a big change because Phil, not that they've been around him for real long, but they've been around him a little bit. And, you know, it, it wasn't like he was smoking three cigarettes at the same time in the car or in the drive over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely not acting like how he was talking yesterday to, to her. It felt like it sounded like, you know, from her perspective, that he wasn't going to spend much time in this town. And he didn't care about um, he didn't he he cared about himself and not this town. But now it's like, oh, I got nowhere to be right now. I got I'm gonna order all this food. I'm gonna eat whatever I want of this thing, and I'm gonna smoke and drink and not really care about my health. So yeah, to her, it's like everything you said in the van now is not making any sense to what I'm looking at. And to her, it's like, ah, oh, geez, like this guy's like opening up to me in the weirdest way. I gotta I'm gonna have to deal with him on a professional level, like. When we get back to the studio or something, you know, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, I can't, a... I can't get him fired for acting like a, like a glutton, but it's like concerning. 
Yeah, I think anybody who's been in the workforce long enough has had that weird conversation where you just hit the coworker at the right uh, at the wrong time, and you ask how they're doing, and they tell you. <laughs> like, I I remember uh, years ago, I I was uh, the company I worked for was sponsoring a, a half marathon, and, and I got and they gave everyone free entry, so I was going to run part of a marathon. And I got on the uh, light rail, which is the Baltimore subway, sy- uh, uh, subway system, basically, to go down to the event. And there was this young woman who I knew a little bit. She was a friend of a friend at work. Uh, and I said, how you doing? And damn it, she told me. And it turns out that her husband met his ex-girlfriend on Facebook and left her for the ex-girlfriend. Jesus. But she was still sleeping with her ex-husband. Uh, and she didn't care. And I was like, oh. Oh crap! I was just waiting for the light rail to show up. Yeah. <laughs> I was just making chit chat. I didn't really want to know. Yeah. What the? What? What? What the hell? You're not supposed to talk like that unless you're on a psychiatrist's couch. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, come Monday, and it was obviously a thing where it was early in the morning, and she probably had an emotional day the day before, and there's somebody in. She saw a vaguely friendly face, and then. It was a big company, so I didn't see her very often. But then, like, once or twice a week, we'd be at the cafeteria at the same time. And she just had this look. It's like, uh, she know, he knows I shut up my ex-husband. That's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, can, I can see you with the coffee stir, and you're both kind of making side glances at it. And you're giving this, like, don't don't say anything to me. I'm just going <laughs> to stir my coffee and leave. Don't bring up anything, please. God, Lord, no, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it, it's bad, and, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, Facebook. I have an account. <laughs> I don't know where to go with this." Oh man, you got, and now you're like, you gotta yeah. run. So the whole time you're running, but y'all, you're thinking like, "I don't." So wait, so so her husband's ex, and so and like the whole time you're running, like like in a whole new world. Oh, yeah, geez. I tell you what, I ran pretty well because I was so taken out of it. And anybody who runs. <laughs> The first thing you do is you can't like focus on the fact it sucks to run. And I was actually in a, like a pretty good like mental place. It's like I'm, I'm like doing the equations here. It's like, uh, is it really cheating? I don't know. Oh my god! I also decided it's like if I ever right. get a friend request from an ex girlfriend, I am turning that crap down. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, don't. Yeah, don't. Don't go making trouble for yourself. Yeah, more trouble than it's worth. Undone. <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. So what other what other notes we got for this minute? Is there anything else we talk about flossing? I went to the dentist today. I'm gonna to go back. I'm gonna to to spend like two hundred dollars to get my teeth worked on. So we got, what we got on that? I I am actually a good flosser. I I don't know what happened. I, I just for some reason I got into the habit. I think it's when I had kids. I got even better because it's like, well, you got you know, Timmy, you have to floss like daddy. And it's like, <laughs> I don't see you floss. It's like, damn it, Timmy, stop it. But uh. <laughs> I don't actually have a kid named Timmy, but I don't know why I'm suddenly hiding my child's identity. Um, but I was like, yeah, I, I got pretty good about it. It's like, and, and now it's a funny thing. If you if you don't floss for a while, it bothers me because I can't. I I, I I'm some, one of those people who like sort of sucks through their teeth when they're thinking about stuff. And it's like, I don't. There's no air coming through. It's like I got to floss. It's like, what the hell's happened to me? So so I think Bill Murray should floss. Well, it's going to teach Timmy now to, to floss because, yeah, like, oh, man. Yeah. I, I I mean, I'm, I do the I do that floss reach stick. That's what I've been trying to do. I'm like, all right, I'll let, if I put it on a, on a stick and then put it in my mouth and shake it between my teeth, I feel like in my mind, like, I'm doing 
I'm doing the minimum. I'm good. <laughs> Why? I had just one more note for uh, for this minute. Uh, I just want to pull it out from uh, going back to to Ramus and the uh, director's commentary talks about how during when they were filming this scene, Bill Murray did not want a spit bucket. Uh, usually when people are eating in, in movies or on television, they'll they have a spit bucket and they'll just you know take a bite and chew. And then as soon as the director says cut, they spit it out. But Bill Murray eats all this, nice. all this stuff. And then he eats for all the takes. Um, Ramus says he actually made himself sick that he ate so much. And like when he's eating, he, you know, towards the end of this minute, he eats a whole piece of cake with icing that he just shoves in his mouth. And he didn't say how many takes of this they had to do, but it was more than one. It was a bunch that, uh, he said in the end, yeah, Bill actually wasn't feeling so well because he's not Phil and he does have to worry about things like, like flossing. (laughs) This is my question. You said they built this diner, but it wasn't a real diner, right? Like, they didn't make any of that food at that diner, I assume. It was all just craft services off off camera. Right, right. Okay. So they just had, like, a bunch of, like, diner-baked goods ready under, like, heat lamps that, you know... Because I would say, like, at least, like, bring me the pancakes warm if I'm doing the second take. And this time I want to kind of, like, roll up a pancake. Because, see, that's what I think he could do. Like, instead of another... In my personal opinion... And instead of another piece of cake on another set, like say like, Hey, I'm going to do a, a, a pancake burrito. And they're gonna be like, all right. And he just like takes a sausage. My friend, my friend, Sam does this. This is one of his favorite things to do for breakfast. Takes a pancake, takes scrambled eggs and bacon rolls it up in the pancake. And then like, just eats it like a burrito. And, like like dips a burrito. It. And he just dips <laughs> yeah, it in a syrup sure. cup. So, Hey, that there works for him. He has fun. You know what? That's not a bad idea. All right. So I want to say, go check out cosmic Geppetto podcast. They talk about a lot of nerdy stuff. If you find that last Jedi one, you'll hear my rant. Uh, yeah, and check check out uh, Minute of Darkness, which was the uh, the podcast Brad did. Brad, tell us about Minute of Darkness now. Uh, Minute of Dark. Well, Minute of Darkness was the uh, minute by minute breakdown of the uh, classic Sam Raimi film Army of Darkness. Uh, we completed the run. It was me and my partner Ryan. Fantastic time. It was a great. Great show. We uh, and you know it's all on uh, iTunes, so you can download the whole thing and just just have a great weekend binging. <laughs> good. And so we just want to make sure we got all those good plugs in. <laughs> yeah, Minute of Darkness, uh, Flash Gordon Minute, and Cosmic Geppetto podcast—they're all online, and uh, you know, and it's all good fun. And you can hear uh, Sean and Dallas, have, uh, Sean and Dave have Dallas uh, have been guests and uh, provided fantastic content. I've gotten some voice acting work out of you guys for it. Yes. And uh, it, it's been a ton of fun. So, yeah, yeah. You, you, you come on over after you're done listening to this and come on over to these other shows. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. The, the new one is Flash Gordon Minute where you cover the uh, 1980 classic Flash Gordon, Dino De Laurentiis, Sam Jones, T'Pol. Uh, you got James Bond in there, Brian Blessed. I mean, it's it's one of my favorite movies. You've got uh, William Hootkins in there in the mix as well, as if that's not enough. The Hoot. The Hoot Man that, uh, that Brad hosts with uh, co-host Eric Deutsch. So uh, definitely recommend people check that out. Yeah, we've been having a great time with that. And it's... Uh, and... Well, quick, 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 quick story. What was real funny is we had the episode where we were talking about Hookins, 
And our guest for that episode said, uh, you know, he, he's just so fun. And, you know, I love that actor. I mean, he, he could he could win a uh, Porkins lookalike contest. <laughs> and me and Eric, we just yeah. paused because we were sort of waiting for the punchline. And then finally said, it's like, you, you know, that's the same guy, right? <laughs> Blew our guest's mind. Oh. <laughs> it, was, it was like, what do you mean? It's, it's, it's like, yeah, it's the same guy. It's like, oh. Then, then I guess he really should win a Porkins lookalike <laughs> contest. I don't know if he does that count as cheating, but sure, Porkins, uh, Major Eaton, sure, Munson—they're all—they're all the same guy. All the same. They're all the same, same guy. guy. Isn't that? I—I don't. I, I, isn't isn't that like an old Woody Allen skit where he hits the deer on the way to the costume party? He takes the deer in <laughs> yeah. with him as his date, and the deer gets second place in a lookalike contest to a guy in a deer suit. <laughs> <laughs> and then fights the guy. I, I'm pretty sure it's Woody Allen. Yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. It actually came up that there was also a story of uh, in Dollywood. Of course, uh, they always have like a Dolly Parton lookalike contest, and Dolly decided to have some fun and enter, and she came in like third. Oh, <laughs> oh. no. <laughs> oh. Like, poor Dolly. <laughs> Oh, all right, good, good. All right, we will thank you, Brad, thank you, Brad, for having uh, being on with us today. And uh, yeah, to the uh, to the listeners, thank you for listening. And if you want to tell us about more crazy breakfasts that you have and how much you drink coffee straight out of the craft, join us over at the Gobbler's Knob on our Facebook group. That's the Groundhog Minute listeners group. Bother us on Twitter at Groundhog Minute. Email us groundhogminute@gmail.com. Uh, you know, we're having a lot of fun. So. Uh, Yo, Brad, can you come back tomorrow now? I will return. I, uh, but it's not going to be tomorrow. It's just going to be today all over again. Right I on. guess I guess so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is, so that is it for us. Thank you for listening, and we will see you tomorrow if there is one. And, uh, Sean, keep that coffee coming, all right? I don't even have to floss. Let them say your hair's too long I don't care what you are.